0: This is the only way I can get us out by twelve is if I start early. <laughs> Amen. God is good. Um, it's so good to be able to um see each and every last one of you all and um uh with us today. Today we will be looking at Genesis chapter four. Genesis chapter four. Genesis chapter 4. And I've been getting, uh, got I've gotten several um, um, text messages. I know um, um, people have been, been jumping on the reading through uh, Genesis five times. All right, so um, I think I have one person that has already done all, um, all 50 chapters five times. Somebody texted me last night saying, that they've already, they finished chapters one through 25 five times, so, and a couple couple other people have been uh, are working their way through it, so <coughs> keep working on that, the goal is to get through Genesis five times, right, um, you know, try to get through all 50 chapters, if you can, if not, um, you know, definitely try to focus on chapters one through 25, right, um, that's where we'll uh, spend most of our um, energy, okay. Genesis chapter four, (coughs) I'm going to read for us verses one through 15, verses one through 15, and I'm going to use the title, How to Handle Anger, how to handle anger. Verse one reads, now, Adam knew Eve, his wife. And she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain... Vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Let us pray. Father, again, we come before you. Uh, We thank you for your word. We ask now, Lord, that you would um, open our hearts and minds to be able to uh, receive your word. Speak to us by your spirit. Fill me with your spirit and uh, use me in in all that I say and do. And Lord, I pray that um, you would help us to examine our own hearts, because sin desires to rule over each one of us. uh, But by your grace uh, and by your salvation and by your spirit, uh, we have to learn how to rule over it. We thank you for all these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. (coughs) I will say that um, I think that that we are all very familiar with uh, the story of Cain and Abel. So I'm not going to do. Uh, an inductive uh, sermon today where I'm I'm walking through each verse point by point um, as I normally do. Um, I really want to do more of a a, a deductive uh, sermon uh, where I just I'm pulling out points and I'm trying to help us to see how we can apply these things to our own lives. All right. So so stay with me. Um, We all get angry sometimes. Right. And uh, anger is normal. It is really what we do with our anger that determines whether or not we are right or wrong. We live in a day when we think that anger and revenge are a normal point of life. For example, in his book, Hope Again, Charles Swindoll tells a story about a man who was told by his physician that he had rabies. Upon hearing this, the patient immediately pulled out a pad and pencil and began to write. Thinking the man was making out his will, the doctor said, Listen, this doesn't mean you're going to die. There's a cure for rabies. I know that, said the man. I'm making a list of all of the people that I'm going to bite. Okay. 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 Anger and revenge or take for example a classified ad that was described in the March through April 1993 edition of Preaching Magazine it read wedding dress for sale never worn will trade for a 38 caliber pistol <laughs> okay now i hope that that ad was never answered okay <laughs> doesn't sound like it was going to go very well okay <laughs> although both of these stories are jokes They underlie the truth of what we see happening every day. People are angry. They don't know how to process their anger. And so they go and act out that anger in unproductive ways. We will see the exact same pattern playing out in the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapters 4, verses 1 through 15. But before we look at at these verses, I want to briefly touch on what anger is and how we should respond to it. First, anger is an emotion that tells us that someone has crossed a boundary and it gives us the internal fight to address it. Um, Most often we think that anger is uh, a sin. If I'm experiencing anger, that means I'm in the wrong place, right? Um, However... Um, anger is just an emotion. It is an emotion that God has given us in order to address issues. Right. Uh, most of us, if you're like me, right, we're going, I love that face mask. <laughs> <laughs> it says faith over fear. I need one of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, most, of, most of the time we think that, that anger is wrong, right? So if I'm angry, I must be doing something wrong. But we have to remember that anger is an emotion that God has given us, right? Um, and it, it is an emotion that that motivates us, right? So we've all heard about the fight or flight response, okay? Um, no, no, the, the problem is that we when we think fight, we mean physical fight. doesn't have to be a physical fight, okay? But But it's an emotion that tells us that someone has crossed a boundary, and rather than us being passive and allowing it to just go, 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 right? It gives us this, this this fight response, this motivation to be able to step up to the plate and address someone crossing our boundary. Okay. Now, of course, we can, uh, you know, have anger in a productive way or we can have anger in an unproductive way. But the determining factor... On whether our anger is productive or unproductive is our maturity. We need spiritual, mental, and emotional maturity to process our anger, which is usually some unmet need or expectation. However, because this spiritual, mental, and emotional maturity is lacking, we oftentimes respond in sinful ways. So, it is the anger is not the problem. It is our lack of maturity that is oftentimes the problem, okay? So what I want us to see is, I mean, I, I'll, I'll spend some time on this, this later, is the reason that we become angry is usually there has been some kind of unmet need that, you know, some need that we have that has gone unmet, right? Or we have some type of expectation uh, and someone does not live up to that expectation, uh, and it, it causes us to be angry. What we need to do when we experience anger is process through it. Okay. But in order to process through it, we have to be spiritually mature. Okay. We have to be mentally mature. right? We have to be emotionally mature. And because we live in a society that wants to stunt us <laughs> Spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, right? Just just feel it and just do it, okay? Um, because we lack that spiritual, mental, and emotional maturity, um, we oftentimes respond in sinful ways. Real quick, I am going to look in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, so that we can see how we are supposed to respond to anger. Ephesians chapter 4, a very familiar passage all of us Ephesians chapter 4 I'm gonna start reading at verse 17 Ephesians chapter 4 starting at verse 17 Paul says this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk As the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds, so the shallowness of their minds, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, notice what Paul is saying here, and it links to uh, Genesis because I believe it's referring to the image of God. Okay. Now, Paul, uh I mean, if you remember back to Genesis, we spent a c- um a couple Sundays ago, we spent some time talking about about the image of God, right? Uh on our Zoom calls. And and what we saw is that God created mankind in his image, right? And so I, I take an inclusive view of what the image of God is. So I believe that it includes, you know, all of the different views. I kind of smash them all together instead of look at things se- separately. So when it says that we are, have been created in the image of God, it's referring to our relationships. Okay, right? Our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, our relationship that we have with ourselves. Okay, um, it includes our mind, will, and emotions. Okay, our ability to think, our ability to feel, right? Our ability to make choices, but it also includes us being physical beings. Right? Now. Because we, in, in the garden, Adam and Eve was rightly related to God, right? If they continued in that place, they would live forever. But here, Paul is saying, because of our sin, we are alienated from the life of God, and we have become blind and ignorant. And so, instead of trying to grow in this spiritual maturity, what we end up doing, right, is living out the desires of the flesh and of the mind, right? If if we could go back to Ephesians chapter 2, right? But he says, you have not learned to live this way from Christ. We don't live according to the flesh to please the flesh. What you have learned, he goes on to say, is that you should put off your former conduct The way you used to think, the way you used to feel, the way you used to act, the way you used to respond, you need to take all of those things off because that is the old man. That is who you were in Adam. And you must be renewed in the spirit of your mind, right? And then he said that you are to put on the new man, Right. Because this new man has been created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So, again, what he's saying is that whereas in Adam, right, the image of God has been marred and damaged in Christ because you have put your faith and trust in him. He wants to renew you to the image of God. And this image, this new man who is Christ, right, and who we are in Christ has been made according to. To God's plan, which is true righteousness and true holiness. Stop who you used to be, how you used to respond. And now respond with a renewed mind and the renewed image of Christ. Now, Paul goes on in the next few verses to say, therefore, right, because you have now been are, are now being renewed in the image of uh, in the image of God this is how you should respond and i, I love how in these verses he deals a lot with anger <laughs> okay right he deals a lot with anger because i think that people who live according to the flesh are angry a lot okay <laughs> okay uh, when when you're trying to uh 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 please your flesh and get gratification um, all the time. Living in this world, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> and and in our disappointment, we often don't respond the right way. Okay. So, listen to what Paul says. He gives us some principles here on how to handle our anger. Number one, in verse 25, Paul tells us, that we should always tell the truth and stop lying, even if it's uncomfortable. Verse 25, therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. I think that this is probably the greatest sin of church folk. (laughs) You mad? No, I'm fine. Everything's okay, you know. And then we never see you again, <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> right, you know uh we, we we just for some reason we we just have trouble speaking the truth in love we we, we bottle it all up and and, and we don't say anything and, and because we aren't able to tell you how we really feel inside it's like putting a pot on the stove, and eventually it's going to boil over. The first thing that we have to learn how to do is even when it's not comfortable, we have to tell people the truth. If you are mad about something, say that you're mad. (laughs) Right? Don't, Don't hold it in. Don't tell a lie. We are members of one another. We have to tell each other the truth. Number two. And actually, this is probably number two, three and four. OK, we all see these in verse 26. I read the verse and I'll give you the three things that I think Paul is saying here. Not only do we as Christians have to learn how to tell the truth when it even when it's uncomfortable. Paul goes on to say in verse 26, be angry. And do not sin. Okay. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. Okay. Three things he says here. And it's shocking because, again, oftentimes we think that uh, being angry is a sin. But, but notice what Paul says. He says, be angry. It's a command. It's okay to be upset. If someone does something that crosses one of your boundaries or hurts your feelings or, or they, they wrong you in some way, it is okay To be angry, it is not a mark of spiritual maturity to never be upset. There is such thing as righteous indignation. There are some things that happen in this world that should cause us to be angry. But when we get angry, it is never okay to sin. Now, that's probably why we oftentimes hide our anger, because we know that if we do get angry, Right? We we are going to cross the line. Okay? <laughs> All right. But what we have to learn how to do is be angry without sinning. And, and part of the process to go, growing to the place of being able to be angry without sinning is being upfront and honest with people early enough before it becomes an issue. He says, number one, or number two, be angry, but don't sin. Number three, the third thing I want you to see, he says, address your anger in an appropriate amount of time. So what what happens, we tend to, what tends to happen is someone does something, they make us upset. They sit in our seat in church. Okay. And so, <laughs> right. And and that's a no-no. Okay. Uh it is the the hardest thing. I, we saw it last Sunday, right? Uh last Sunday. You know, we have some seats for one person to sit and some people, f- two people to sit, some seats for family. And um, and, and, and last Sunday, people just come in and they just sit. Okay, and they're like, oh, I'm s- you know, y- you're sitting at a seat for three people. Can you just, can you sit in the seat for one person so that when other people come in and, no. you know, They didn't say no. They just didn't move. and just switched the subject, okay? <laughs> okay? <laughs> it's just... It's Church folk want to sit where they want to sit. You know, if it's a pandemic, I don't care. Social distancing, I don't care. <laughs> right? We we want, if you sit in my seat in church, and it's going to be like a cold war. <laughs> okay? Right? Someone does something to us. And, and rather than being honest and say it up front, right, we keep quiet. But we don't recognize that anger is not an emotion that just dissipates and goes away. I, it's, it's, an, it's an emotion that, that it, 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 we, we feel it, it boils over, and then we don't feel it, and we think that that, that situation is resolved and it's gone away. But anger is an emotion that, that sits there and it just piles up over time. And, and oftentimes when there is an explosion, most people are just like, was it really that big of a deal? I mean, that was that's not that serious of a of an issue. All I did was ask, could you sit here instead of sitting over there? <laughs> okay. Oftentimes we blow up on a person that we're not really angry with, right? It's just all our emotions just collide at one time. And it's because we don't address our emotions or our anger in an appropriate amount of time. Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, that does not mean that, you know, you got to stay awake. Uh, if you and your wife get into an argument, you cannot go to sleep until it's resolved, okay? You know, you might be up for a couple of days. But Paul's point is that you should not let your anger linger for long periods of time. We need to learn how to go to the brother or sister or spouse or coworker or whomever right and and be able to have a conversation about how we feel and express our displeasure or whatever but 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 address it in an appropriate amount of time don't let it fester because when you do number 4 paul says unsettled anger gives satan a base from which to operate in your life. He says, Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. The word means opportunity. Right? Um, um I I've heard someone says I haven't researched it to look it up, but it also um talks about like territory, right? A place where someone can establish a base of operation. Okay? Now when we allow our anger to fester, right? We we get we we're, we're allowing Satan to rent space in our life. Right? We we set him up in a nice little apartment and you know, he brings in the furniture and and he starts to control you. You're giving him an opportunity to control the circumstances of your life. We don't want Satan to have those kind of opportunities in our lives. So what do we have to do? We have to Tell the truth and don't lie, even when it's uncomfortable. We have to learn how to be angry, but not going to the place of sinning. We have to learn how to address our anger in an appropriate amount of time. You want to see that? Number five. Paul says in verse 27 that we are not to take advantage of one another, but we are to be generous. Generous. Listen to what he says in verse 27. Don't take advantage of one another, but learn to be generous. He says, I'm sorry, verse 28. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good. Okay. He's telling us, don't take advantage of people. if if anger is the response to some unmet need or some form of unmet expectation, right? right, He's saying, don't take advantage of someone. You're supposed to work for yourself and have the ability to give to other people so that you aren't always taking, 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 right? That will limit the anger That takes place between us so that we respond properly. Next, he says that we are only to speak when we are able to say something positive. This is probably the second sin of most Christians, okay? (laughs) Okay. Only speak when you're able to say something positive. Listen to what he says (laughs) in verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that that it may impart grace to the hearer. If you can't say something nice, don't don't say anything at all. Man, I tell you, it'd be a lot of quiet Christians if we we applied this verse, right? (laughs) Okay. When you're angry, it is not the time to go vent your anger and frustration. I get in trouble when I do that. Like, oh, I'm I'm mad. I'm gonna have to call and tell them when I'm mad, right? So now we have this process, right? If if I'm responding to somebody by text or email, Janita has to proofread it. <laughs> like if I'm upset and I'm responding, Janita has to proofread it. <laughs> okay. And then she be like, take this line out. Don't say that. Change this word around. (laughs) Matter of fact, just don't even respond. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Right? Because when we're in our feelings, we don't always recognize how we are communicating. Right? So he says, don't let anything corrupt come out of your mouth. Only speak when you are able to add grace to the conversation and build up the other person. Okay? Two more. He says next in verses 30 through 31, I know I'm rushing through these things. I want to make sure I'm out on time. In verses 30 through 31, he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit with your outburst of anger. Verse 30, he says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, Anger, clamoring, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And when you get angry and sin, right, it grieves the Holy Spirit. So don't grieve the Holy Spirit with these outbursts of anger, right? Put all of that stuff away. Last thing I want you to see before we go back to Genesis, in verse 32, Paul says, forgive others because God forgave you. He says, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I think what Paul is trying to get us to see is all of us have offended God. If anyone deserves the right to be angry and to take it out on someone, it's God. But rather than doing that, God sent his son to die in our place. And through Christ, God has forgiven each one of us. And as Paul says (coughs) um, in Ephesians chapter 5, right, he says, he says we are supposed to as dear children we're supposed to be imitators of God. Right? We're supposed to imitate him. So what we have to learn how to do is is when someone hurts us or, or causes us to be angry, we need to learn how to be tenderhearted and forgiving because God did that for us. And oftentimes we have to be forgiving because people don't even know that they've done something wrong a lot of the times. And there's some people they doing it on purpose, okay? Right? But but for everybody else, right, the majority of people, they they don't know, right? They, they don't understand the consequences of the things that they are doing. So Paul tells us that we are to learn how to forgive because God in Christ forgave us. Now, these are the things that we need to um, learn how to do. Okay, the, This is what, the just in, in, sh- in brief, this is what the Bible teaches us to do uh, in handling anger. But again, as I've said, in order to be able to do these things, we have to have the spiritual, mental, and emotional um, maturity to process through our anger. In order for us to have that maturity, we have to ask the right questions. And oftentimes, we do not ask, ask the right questions. And because we don't ask the right questions, we often come up with the wrong answers okay <laughs> the the we often ask girl, what would you do, girl if that was me you know, and when they answer, they already got their head moving all right <laughs> like, right you you not only not only are you asking the wrong question, you're asking the wrong person <laughs> okay what we see in Genesis chapter four is a conversation between God and Cain. The Bible says that God is the wonderful counselor. And the, the mark of a great counselor is the ability to ask the right questions. So what we have to learn how to do and what I want us to see from these verses here. God is, in my imagination, having a counseling session with Cain. Okay. God is, is trying to get Cain to process his emotions and process his feelings before he responds in a way that is unproductive. Okay. And I think that in looking at the questions that God asks Cain, right, we can learn how to process through our own anger, so that we can respond in the ways that we saw in, these, in in Ephesians chapter 4 that is appropriate when we are angry. Okay, So, Genesis chapter 4, we see that Cain is a tiller of the ground, but that Abel was a shepherd, right? Cain worked the ground, Abel is a shepherd, okay? It says that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground and Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of its fat. Now, a lot of times when pe- we read this passage, uh, we think that God did not accept Cain's offering because he did not bring an animal sacrifice. Right. Um, but that's not really the case. Um, God does not require that we respond to him with gifts based on someone else's livelihood. Okay, right. It's based on the resources and the talents that he's given us. So um, it was okay for Cain to bring an offering of the fruit of the ground, right? Um, the real issue is that Cain's heart was not right with God. I'm going to read, you don't have to turn to it. I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 11 really quickly. Just one verse. It reads, verse 4, Hebrews 11:4, 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Why does the author of Hebrews put an emphasis on Cain giving his offering by faith? I think that what uh, we are uh, seeing here is the condition of Abel's heart versus the condition of Cain's heart. Because Abel had uh, uh, walked by faith and had this love relationship with God, he offered God his best. It says that he bought of the firstborn of his flock. He gave God his absolute best. When he went to his flock, he looked around. He didn't see something that was crippled or deformed or whatever. He found the best thing he had and offered that to God. But on the flip side, it just says Cain brought an offering. Okay, well, you know, this I can't eat this fruit anyway, it's starting to go rotten, so I'm just, just whatever, we just give it, give whatever to God. And what we see is the rejection of Cain was not about his offering, it was about his heart. And the exception. Of Abel was not about his offering, it was about the condition of his heart. If our our hearts are not in the right place with God, we will lack the spiritual, mental, and emotional maturity needed to process our emotions in times of conflict. If our hearts are not in the right place with God, we will lack the spiritual, mental, and emotional maturity needed to process our emotions in times of conflict. So the first question we must ask ourselves, <coughs> and this really should be done uh, prior to a conflict, okay? <laughs> uh, this should be uh, an ongoing question that we're asking ourselves. But before there's any problem that goes on, we should be asking ourselves, am I in the right place with God? Am I in the right place with God? Notice Cain wanted to make it about Abel, (laughs) right? But God repeatedly made it about Cain. Rather than focusing on his brother, Cain should have put the emphasis on himself and asked himself, am I in the right place with God? So here's the test. The test oftentimes of knowing whether or not I'm in the right place of God, can be answered by this question, do I have a problem generously giving to God? Do I have a problem generously giving to God? Jesus said, our heart is where our treasure is. We often think we are right with God because we attend church, but the real proof is in how we use our time, talents, and treasures, okay? Now, I don't want us to think that this is all centered around money, because it's not, okay? And I'll give you a great example this morning. Um, I'm downstairs in my office, and Karis comes downstairs, and she's upset. She's like, mommy's making me um, get ready to get dressed. And so I'm like, okay, well, you got to get dressed. We got to get ready for church. Yeah, but I didn't get a chance to finish watching my TV show, I said, well, Karis, okay, remember, I told you on Sunday mornings, you shouldn't just get up and go start watching TV, right? You should be reading your Bible, praying, getting your heart ready to go to church. But my show was almost over. Okay. <laughs> right? Right? And so it's not just about money. How do we do with giving God our time? It's about our time, our talents, and our treasure. So as far as our time, here's some questions. How much time do I dedicate to God daily or weekly? How much time do I dedicate to God daily or weekly? Is God an afterthought tacked on at the end of my day? So do I... Wake up and hit the ground running. Got to get to work. Uh, uh. And by the time I get, I'm, r- um, oh man, it's time to go to bed. I didn't pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything. Amen. Ooh. And then you go to sleep. Is God just tacked on at the end of your day? Do you lack time to attend church, Bible study, cell group? Or to even volunteer in church because your schedule is so jam packed with other things. I get that a lot. Oh, Pastor, I can't come to Bible study. I can't come to cell group. Well, wow, what, what's going on? Oh, you know, I got to take the kids to this. I got this going on, you know. And um, okay, well, we have a Saturday cell group. Oh, I'm tired from all of the stuff I'm doing during the week, so I can't come to cell group. <laughs> I'm just like, man, it's like we got time to watch Empire. All of the housewives of every different city. Take the kids to sports and karate. But we don't have any time for God because I'm just so tired with all of the stuff I'm doing. Right. Because you're not in the right place with God. Talents. Are you exercising your spiritual gifts regularly in order to build up the body of Christ? Do you spend time helping others in the body of Christ with the knowledge and skills that you have? Right. Oh, Pastor, I come to church, but I can't join the ministry. I don't have time for that. Well, you got spiritual gifts, right? You, gotta, you got gifts that, that, that the body needs. I, I don't really have time for. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I know you work in this field, you know. Sister so and so is is you know struggling with that. Can you you know give her a call? And <sighs> I'm like, man, like you don't you don't want to offer your talents ba- that the, the the talents that the Lord gave you. You don't want to offer them back to help, yeah. or you know, we offer them back. I ain't gonna say no names, Miss Mimi. We be like, oh. Can you help out with such and such? Well, I can't help the church unless the church is going to pay me for this. (laughs) Right? I'm like, oh, my goodness. I thought this was all of our church. Time, talents, treasures. Do you give regularly and generously to God's work, or do you consume everything you have on yourself? Do you give regularly and generously to God's work, or do you consume everything you have on yourself? I remember a couple of years ago uh, we were uh, g- doing a financial uh, uh, um, seminar, right? I mean, we went over the scriptures of what the Bible says about about giving and 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 um, saving, investing, and all of these different things. And and I said that you know I d- I, d- I decided I made it my goal that I would never give a car dealership more money in a month. Then I would give to the Lord, right? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna. If if my car payment is this, I gotta at least give that to the Lord, right? And you should have sort of faced it. like, like, people like, you're looking like what? (laughs) Right? I didn't say you had to do it, but just the thought of giving that much money to church immediately turns some people off. But we'll give it to Honda. No question. We give it to BMW with no question. You, when you say, well, give that money to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Pastor C, I really can't afford, you know, to do something like that. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's hilarious. I can say this now because this was a couple years ago. Um, then I'm moving on. I got six minutes. We were uh, talking about like um doing pledges or something like that, right? And there was something was ar- around the time we were talking about the church cruise. And people were like ah, I really can't afford to, you know, to you know, to give that kind of money right now. Yada yada yada. Then a couple m- couple months later, we came out with the church cruise, and people had the money. <laughs> and it was more money for the church cruise. Then what we were asking for for the whatever this, you know the the time I'm like, people are hilarious. <laughs> right Now that's not my, my point is not to is not to you know put pressure on people about giving more money or anything. this is my point. My point is, our bank statements are oftentimes the greatest indicator of our relationship with God. Because it tells us what we value, it tells us what we value if If we say I will make make a, a a very pointed point here if we say we desire to see everyone saved and we got to get the gospel out and and then we we try as a church to get people to donate to the Deaf Bible Society, to reach a group of people where 90-plus percent of the people don't have access to the gospel, and it really only costs $28 a month. And we say, hey, if every single member can give only three times this whole year in 2020, we can, you know, you know do $280 a month, and it's, it'll reach 100 deaf people so around the world somewhere. And we can't even do that. Why are we saying we want to reach people with the gospel? if we're not willing to give towards the method. Pastor, I can't go on mission trips. Well, let's pay for the people who can't go. Well, $28 three times this year is a lot, Pastor, to try to spread the gospel to people. Our bank statement is often the greatest indicator of where our heart is. Because it teaches us what we value. If we are not able to sacrifice our time, talents, and treasures for the one who gave his life for us, how will we ever find the strength to love our enemies? If if you can't sacrifice yourself for the one who died for you, how can you live for your enemies? (laughs) Doesn't really make sense. So here's three questions. These are the three questions that God asked Cain. These are the three questions that we need to process our anger. And these are good for really, we can apply these for all of our emotions. Number one, God says to Cain, Why are you angry? Right? This is what you said. Why, why am I angry? Okay. Th- you should be asking yourselves uh, under this, you can, you know, jot down on points. What need do I have that has gone unmet? What need do I have that has gone unmet? Because again, remember I said that oftentimes our anger comes from some type of unmet need. Kay. What needs do I have that have gone unmet? What are my expectations? Kay. What are my expectations? Yeah. I might expect you know, when I come home from working all day to have food on the table, ready to eat, okay, and then I walk in the door, and everybody's just laying around watching TV and chilling, okay, <laughs> okay. and I'm upset, right, so what are my expectations, are my expectations appropriate, or do they need to change, because sometimes, We have expectations. Right. But these expectations are are, you know, they're not they're not realistic. okay? um, And so sometimes we're upset, but we have to recognize that maybe I'm not I'm upset, not because someone did not meet my expectations, but because my expectations were simply unrealistic. Um, If they are appropriate or realistic, my expectations, if they are appropriate or realistic, have I communicated what I expect or need. Because sometimes we're upset with someone for not meeting our expectations, but we never told them, well, this is what I expect, (laughs) right? And we're having a conversation, you didn't do that. Wait a minute, I didn't know that's what you wanted. You never told me that, okay? Last question, why does this person or situation bother me? Why does this bother me, right? Because sometimes, you know, you have two people, that are going through the same ex- situation together. One person is angry, and one person like, mm, "Oh well," and they keep moving on. Okay, but why does this bother me? Why does this person bother me? Okay. We have to look at ourselves. Second, God asks Cain, "Why has your countenance fallen? Why has your countenance fallen?" So the question is. Why am I responding this way, right? Why am I responding this way? Kay. Why did I choose to respond in this way? What is my normal pattern or habit of handling this type of conflict? Kay. So we, we, we all respond in certain ways in different types of circumstances, okay? Wh- why, what is my normal pattern or habit of handling this type of conflict? where did i learn this behavior where did i learn this behavior what am i trying to achieve with this response and is this the best way to achieve it okay um we all have uh gone to <laughs> restaurants right you know we everybody has stereotypes right you see you know, people with certain kind of hairstyles and things like that, like on Facebook and they'd be like, you know, a person has this kind of hairstyle, like, you have a hundred percent chance she wants to see your manager. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Right. And, and, and we feel like sometimes we I, I, I see people that they feel like you know if they get rude or smart or disrespectful that's that's automatically going to get them a free meal or get them what they want or or whatever but but it does not always respond happen that way right um, the 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 way I am responding what am I trying to accomplish right and is this the best way to accomplish that right it it may not be. These are the things. Why why am I responding this way? Lastly, God asks Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? So what we should ask ourselves is, what must I do in this situation in order to please God? What must I do in this situation in order to please God? Notice God says to Cain, sin's desire is for you, but you must rule over it. He didn't say anything about A- Abel. When we're processing our emotions, it has nothing to do with the person or the situation and everything to do with us, right? You know. Now, I'm not saying that the situation is right or good that the person is right or good. They could be wrong. It's two left shoes. But at, when you're processing your emotions, you have to forget about them and leave them out because what we'll start doing is justifying why we respond a certain way. Oh, I only did this because they did that. No, they don't control you, right? You responded that way because you chose to respond that way. Okay, so what we have to learn how to do is is take ownership for ourselves and ask ourselves, what should I do in order to please God? Regardless of what that person does, you have to focus on your own response because you cannot control the behaviors of others. Focus on what you can do to please God rather than getting back at the other person. I love this statement from Charles Stanley. He says, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. See, sometimes when we are responding to circumstances, we are responding because, you know, we don't want to, you know, lose face. I don't want them to think I'm a punk or whatever variety of of reasons. And so we're responding out of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life rather than responding in order to glorify God. And what we have to learn how to do is humble ourselves and obey God and allow God to take care of what's, what, ta- um, what occurs after that. Now, these are three, uh, three questions, right? You can ask these questions in a, in a variety of ways. Why am I angry? Why am I responding this way? What must I do um, in this situation in order to please God? Right. And, and as you work through these things, right, you're really processing through the without the things I gave you as far as the image of God. Right. Being relational, rational, volitional, emotional, physical. Right. You, you're processing through how you handle relationships, how you think, how you feel, the choices that you make. Right. You, you're processing through these things with the goal of being able to respond in a better way. And as long as you respond in a better way, it doesn't matter what the other person says or does. As long as you respond in a better way, right? As God said, if you do what is right, won't you be accepted? Meaning by Him, <laughs> because at the end of the day, that is all that matters, right? So I'm ending here. Again, I'm going to three minutes over my time. <laughs> But this is the point um what I want us to see is you know anger um is not something that we should run from right it it is something that we have to a- a- address head on and we address it head on by starting off with honesty. You hurt my feelings that got that you annoyed me right that sermon is too long <laughs> 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 Okay. <laughs> right, we gotta we just gotta, you know, be upfront and honest and 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 process through our our feelings individually and with one another, right? Um, because once I've processed through my feelings, right, I can be honest and tell you how I feel. Versus, you know, um how it usually is with, with you know, me and Janita. Well, how did that make you feel? It made me mad. That's all you feel is mad? Well, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. You ain't know, hurt my feelings. I mean you know, you know, as men, we can't say you hurt our feelings, right? We just say I'm mad, right? That's the o- that's the only fe- ex- the only emotion we experience, right? But if we take the time to process through how we think and how we feel, and we're able to be honest, we can say without, you know, oh, I don't want to give her too much power to think she hurt my feelings, you know. Like, yeah, you hurt my feelings with that comment, you know. You're supposed to like my sermons, and you said it was terrible, you know. I'm just, I'm just making that up, <laughs> right? You know, but as we as we process through these things, we give the other person an opportunity to respond, but not in a defensive way, right? And and as we're interacting now, we can we can grow from the experience that we've had, rather than you know th- there being this big clash and ending the relationship, right? So, um. Genesis chapter 4, how to handle, our, ha- handle anger. You know, um, trust me, I already know that the Lord is going to test me on this somehow this week, okay? So you all be on the lookout for the test, too. <laughs> I don't know how, why the Lord does that. Whenever I preach something, was like, oh, we're going to test you on this. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to be on the lookout so I can pass the test. <laughs> all right, let's pray. Father, we thank you today for allowing us, to be able to look at the life of Cain uh, and Abel. But I pray that you would help us to see ourselves. Lord, we all uh, get angry about things at different times in our lives. And and uh, sometimes we respond properly, but sometimes we just blow it, Lord. And uh, we thank you that even in those times, you offer us grace and forgiveness. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you would continue to work in and through us So that we're able to grow to the place to be able to spiritually, mentally and emotionally uh, handle uh, the emotion of anger so that we can be angry, but still not sin. We ask now, Lord, that you would uh, continue to work in and through us. Sin desires to control each one of us, Lord. But you have given us your spirit and you have given us the grace uh, to overcome sin, even the sin of anger. Uh, the sin that comes about in our anger. Uh, We can overcome all of these things by your grace and by your spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would would teach us how to step back and process our feelings and our emotions so that we can respond in a way that honors and glorifies you. We thank you for your grace and for your forgiveness, and I pray that you will work that same love and grace and forgiveness and tenderheartedness in us, so that we can give to others the same thing that you have given to us in Christ. We thank you now for all these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.